Have you ever been a little resentful? Have you ever had somebody who was you were working with, perhaps a boss or a fellow colleague, say to somebody else, it's okay. I know you messed up, but I forgive you. Meanwhile, you're going, why are you forgiving that person? They really messed up. I shouldn't, they shouldn't do that. They should know better. How many times have they given a chance? Sometimes we don't really like others who are merciful. Sometimes we feel like a person who is given mercy and forgiven, maybe they ought to show a little more repentance. You know, maybe not just say, oh, forgive me, but really show repentance before we are willing to, you know, accept them. Well, Jonah kind of finds himself in that situation. If you remember the story of Jonah that we have been going through, he's in Joppa and he heals the Lord's word. He's supposed to go to Nineveh and preach that they're supposed to repent. But instead he flees towards Tarshish. Do we have a... uh, I think we have a um, map, maybe? No, okay, we don't have a map. Think about it. Here's the Mediterranean. Joppa's down here. Nineveh's up here. And he, instead of going up, he goes sideways. And so he's on a boat, and there's a big storm, and the sailors are all upset. And they say, what should we do? What should we do? And Jonah says, well, throw me overboard and it'll be okay. So in fact, that's what they do. They throw him overboard and it is okay for them. Instead, Jonah is swallowed by a big fish. In the fish, he repents. And the fish spits him out on dry land. He realizes that maybe he ought to do what God asked him in the first place. So he goes to Nineveh and he preaches to them. And he says that if you don't, that Nineveh is going to be destroyed in 40 days. So the Ninevites repent, not just them, but their king and everybody else. And God has compassion and does not destroy their towns. And so we pick up the story in Jonah chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord. O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Jonah is greatly displeased. In Hebrew, it's more than just displeased. He's vexed. He's irritated. He's really hot under the collar. He is so upset. He's burning with grief that the fact it doesn't happen. He's upset about it. Now, scholars have a couple of ideas as to why he might be so upset. The first one is perhaps personal, that, you know, he had predicted Nineveh was going to be destroyed, and now it isn't. And so he's jealous about his own reputation. He's afraid that they will think of him as a false prophet, because after all, he prophesied, and then it didn't happen. He feels like as a person might be exposed to the violence of the Ninevites. 
or perhaps he had zeal for the honor of God because God knows the future and his knowledge and God himself might be discredited because they saw that God's servant Jonah wasn't speaking the truth that would be fulfilled or perhaps he saw that in this conversion of the Gentiles there was a token of the ruin of his own people in Israel in fact the Ninevites are up in Assyria and they will in fact attack and win over um, Israel and so he maybe has a right to be a little bit upset at that Um, but Israel is hardened and impenitent you see the Gentiles they had one sermon Jonah was there he preached his sermon they said you're right and they repented in sackcloth and ashes and they called a fast and they prayed to God the Israelites on the other hand had prophets sent one after another after another and it didn't have any effect on them they didn't say or do anything different than they had previously done and then lastly perhaps it was just mistaken patriotism he couldn't endure finding that a heathen nation had been given mercy he's disappointed that the great enemy of his country is unpunished so Jonah is a hasty person he's impatient and he shows himself to be very vexed perhaps without any just cause because you see it doesn't appear that the Ninevites were would despise him and they didn't look on him as a false prophet as a matter of fact they honored him because they believed him they believed that unless they repented that their city was going to be destroyed so they did him honor they didn't attack him and then Jonah prays he says Lord is this not what I said when I was still at home you know his prayer gives us insight into how he might have been prejudiced he prayed or maybe he just whined at God we're not quite sure there's some emotional overtones here but we're not quite sure what they are but he's not willing to trust God that God has his credit and his safety in his hands God had called him to preach but he doesn't trust God enough to say okay I'm going to go preach and please protect me in case these folks don't like what I'm preaching because after all I'm preaching that they're going to be condemned and destroyed he doesn't trust God enough it's a sad contrast between God's feeling when he sees the repentance of Ninevite towards him and Jonah's feeling when he sees God's repentance he's actually resentful it's strange for somebody who just the last couple of chapters had been saved by the mercy of God I mean it could have been that you know that sailors threw him in to the sea and he just sank and, and that was the end of Jonah but instead God was merciful and sent the fish and spit him out on land and gave him a second chance God had been merciful toward him and now it's strange that he doesn't want that same mercy extended to others he seems to have overlooked the fact that he had been saved and now he was an instrument of that same mercy 
and that God was glorifying himself by showing the mercy because it was his greatest glory, God's greatest glory, to save others, to save the people who repented. God's sparing, parting, pardoning mercy is so evident here. But Jonah doesn't like it. Jonah doesn't like God's mercy. Now, for those of us who are in the modern day, we are also recipients of God's mercy. Because every one of us falls short. We don't always do what we're supposed to or do something we're not supposed to. You know, sometimes they're small and sometimes they're big, but God doesn't have a a gradation chart. It's sin or it's not. And Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And here the Ninevites have fallen short of God's, God's glory, but they repent just as we also can repent and accept God's mercy. But not Jonah. John remains a proud, uncharitable spirit, and he prays. Like some of us, he has an excuse. Isn't this just what I said when I was at home? You know, have you ever done that? Have you ever thought, you know, I tried to tell you so. I tried to tell you that you shouldn't do that. I tried to tell you that you were going wrong, and you did it anyway. You know? That's what Jonah has said to the people of Nineveh. But he now says it to God. You know, I was quick to flee to Tarshish because I knew you. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God. You see, he prayed in the middle of his tumults as if he's reproving God for having exercised mercy. But there's still a bit of piety in it because he is in fact praying to God. He's not just walking away. He's having a conversation. The same as we should also have a conversation when we're disappointed in something that God has done. A conversation that is a two-way street where we voice our displeasures, but we also recognize who God is. God is our friend our Father, but he is also the Lord of the universe, and he sees so much more. Last time you had ants around your place. Did you ask the ants what they were doing? Did you ask the ants, you know, how they should maybe move over there out into the garden and not be in your kitchen? No, you just went about trying to straighten things out. Sometimes that's what we are. We're ants in the wrong place and not quite doing what we should. And God wants to straighten us out. He wants us to perhaps go in a different direction. He certainly wanted Jonah to go in a different direction. He didn't want Jonah in Tarshish. He wanted Jonah in Nineveh. And so Jonah complains to him. He's displeased that God should extend mercy to these heathen. Because you see... Like many of us, he thinks he should govern things. We here in the United States have a very independent streak in us, and that's good. It means that we work hard and we try to stand on our own two feet, but sometimes we need help. 
and sometimes God is there to help us but we fall prey to the idea that we know it all we know what should be done we know how it should be done and we know when it should be done and we sometimes we get upset that God's not doing it God's not acting when we think he should Jonah here is certainly upset just as we might be we and he quarrel with God's providence we don't always understand evil sometimes we're baffled that good seems to happen to that person sometimes there are obstacles and trials that we don't understand and for Jonah his cherished hopes of having Nineveh go down his enemy go down it doesn't happen he's disappointed you think that he would rejoice at the success of his ministry isn't that what ministers supposed to do isn't that what we stand up here and say every Sunday that this is the way God wants us to live and we rejoice when in fact people live that way that's not Jonah Jonah's not rejoicing here Jonah instead is arguing with God he is upset by God's goodness he tries and tries to tell God that you know that it shouldn't happen that God doesn't fulfill his word to Nineveh because God is gracious and merciful he says i knew you were a gracious god a god who gives sinners not what they deserve but what they don't deserve that is mercy not getting what you don't deserve he's a compassionate god he is loving and gracious towards us a god who is slow to anger thank goodness that god is slow to anger i don't know that any of us would be here if he wasn't because quite frankly he has the right to be angry at us sometimes maybe a little bit and maybe a lot we're never quite sure but when we feel that nudge when that person comes to mind when we know we should make that phone call when we know we should do or not do something those are the holy spirit urging us to do what it is that god wants and god sometimes gets angry when we don't fortunately he is a god who is slow to anger and abounding in love god is the one whose covenant faithfulness we can rely on he has made a covenant with us that's what baptism is all about it's a covenant when we are joined to the family of god as sons and daughters of the almighty it is a covenant of his faithfulness towards us his faithful love continuing to be poured out upon us jonah knows that god is gracious compassionate slow to anger and a loving god and a god who relents from sending calamity that's kind of the crux of it here for jonah because he expected calamity he goes about preaching all over and i imagine that at the end of 39 days he was ready to get out of town because on day 40 the town was going to be destroyed but instead god relents from sending that calamity and experience should have taught Jonah a lesson about the magnitude of God's love 
After all, God's love had been extended to him and the fish. God's love was now being extended through Jonah's words to the Ninevites. But instead, Jonah is embittered. Are we embittered? When we see that God is acting merciful towards somebody who maybe doesn't really deserve it, are we embittered and go, hey, really? I mean, let's make sure this person does X or Y before we forgive them. That's not the way God is. God says you are forgiven. He might then want the change in behavior. But behavior is not the reason that he forgives. God forgives because that is who God is. And Jonah just remains a bitter man. He says, Now, O Lord, take away my life. It is better for me than to die than to live. I mean, can you imagine? You were so embittered, you were so angry that it's just not worth staying here. You know? You'd rather die than not. And he was disappointed because God didn't carry out his threat. Luther observes that Jonah is hostile to the city of Nineveh because he still holds a very Jewish and a very carnal view of God. You see, the Jews thought that if you did one, two, three, four, there were 650 some odd of them, if you did all of these things, you were going to be good and God was going to reward you. But that's not in fact who God is. Because you see, no matter how much you tried, there was no way you could do all of those things. Some of them actually are, you know, just proposed, you do one and you violate the other kind of thing. But that's the way the Jews thought at Jonah's time. And so that's the way he's thinking of the city of Nineveh. They have done all the things that they shouldn't have, all the things that the Bible teaches, the Old Testament teaches against. And God is merciful. He doesn't like it. He's surprised that Nineveh is saved. There's an old country song by Garth Brooks called Thank God for Unanswered Prayer. Some of you may know it. It's about a high school man who sees a young woman in his classes and he wants to be his her to be his girlfriend and he prays to God and he tries his best to start this relationship and it just never works you know no matter how much he prays it never works skip ahead 10 years and there's a reunion so this young man and his wife go to the reunion and they encounter the girl that he had hoped he'd have a relationship and he realizes that that girl was all wrong for him that what he needed was his wife the one right next to him and so Jonah, and so Garth prays and asks God a prayer of thanksgiving one that says thank God for unanswered prayer It took 10 years for him to actually realize that. It's a lesson to us that sometimes when we pray, the time is not quite right and the circumstances aren't quite right for God to answer those prayers. And so hopefully, like the young man in that song, we also can thank God for unanswered prayers. 
And so Jonah is one example of those who are angry and upset by God's goodness. But another example, Faith read to us in the parable of the prodigal son. If you remember the parable, the younger son asks for his inheritance, gets it, goes off to another land, lives in debauchery, spends it all, and comes crawling back home. Because he realizes that even at home, the servants are fed regular human food. He doesn't have to eat the pig food. That that's what he's given in this foreign land. So he comes home. The father rejoices and restores the son and throws a party for him. And the father invites the, younger, the older son to come and join the party. But Luke tells us that the older brother became angry and refused to go in. The father actually leaves the party and goes out and asks him, pleads with him, please come rejoice with me. The older son is a little bit upset. He's not happy with the goodness that the father has exercised. And he says, look, all these years I have been slaving for you. I have done everything you wanted. I have worked. I have helped you. And you never once gave me anything. I never got the fatted goat to rejoice with my friends. I never got any of those things. But when this brother of mine comes home and he squandered everything with prostitutes, you give him a party. He's not happy about that. Because, you see, it's something that he can't understand. The parable shows us God's mercy and his grace and its desire that God wants a relationship not just with those who have gone astray like the younger son but with those who might be a bit resentful like the older son it shows that the two sons are lost each in their own way the younger one was lost in sin the older one seems to be lost in self-righteousness he feels cheated because he'd been living in obedience to his father but he never received any reward like he sees his brother getting. Perhaps he was so caught up in working that he forgot why it was he was working. His self-righteousness seems to manifest in jealousy and envy. He seems to have a very pharisaical attitude towards his father. He seems to think that God and his father should not be interested in sinners. And yet if we remember Jesus said he came to save the lost, to save sinners, to save those who recognized that they were not perfect. But the older brother doesn't realize that. Instead, he's very resentful. The early church kind of acted in the same way as we read in Acts. Peter was not going to eat with the Gentiles because, after all, they were unclean. And he was, you know, they're sinners. They don't obey the laws. But Peter has shown his error. So we ever resentful? Are we resentful of God's mercy towards others? Are we angry with God at his goodness? 
Are we upset? Well, we've all felt shortchanged sometimes for our efforts. We don't get what we think might be due us. But these stories tell us that perhaps that's the wrong attitude. Perhaps our attitude should be just to do what God calls us to do and leave the results in his hands. So that, yes, we might feel we should get a reward, we should get that promotion, we should get that thank you, we should get that praise, but we don't. And these stories of Jonah and the older brother tell us that what we should do is leave those to God. God is the one who is merciful and who is just and who, in fact, will eventually answer that prayer. You see, neither the older brother nor Jonah were very happy about the conversion of these sinners. The younger son is converted. The Ninevites are converted. But instead of rejoicing the way those in heaven would rejoice, they get resentful. So where do we land? Where do we land? Are we resentful when those around us are rewarded and we don't think they should be? But you know what? We don't know everything that's going on. We don't know what they've been through. We don't know that perhaps it is that reward that will turn their minds and their hearts towards the Almighty God. So whatever it is, Whenever we might be upset by God's goodness, we are called to let that go. To know that God is a good, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love God, even when we can't see it. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks that you are in control. That you recognize we have a limited view and we ask you God to help us remember that help us to rely upon you upon your goodness knowing that in you all things will work together for your good for we ask these things in Jesus name Amen